In December 2018, I got an email from a New York Post reporter who I had met a couple times over the years in the Gallus circuit asking if I had time to talk. I was expecting, in my own self-satisfied way, that she wanted to do a glowing profile on me. Instead, when we finally connected, she asked for a quote about another auctioneer, a gentleman by the name of Harry Santa Alola. And at first I was quite taken aback. Harry had been on my radar for a while and I have to admit I was getting a little peevish. His name was being celebrated in all the auction halls of New York City and I felt threatened. But I had only heard good things, and so I gave the reporter a nice quote. And a couple of days later, New York Post had a story called The Best in the Bidness. And I was like, ah, oh, that's how it's going to be. So, feeling a little defensive, feeling a little threatened. But Harry reaches out and says, thank you so much for that kind quote. Uh, we should get together and officially meet. So in January of 2019, we did just that. And I could not have been more charmed. For 90 minutes over lunch, we just regaled each other with stories of auctioneering, and I was completely sold. Over the last 15 or so months, he's really helped me rethink how I conduct my business. I came from the Christie's side of things, and it had, had been a lot of heart and a lot of passion, but not necessarily a lot of business sense. And Harry really, having built up his company Givergy over, got a half decade, really understood what it meant to have contracts and be professional, things that were sorely lacking in my approach. And not only that, but the fact that he was out there night after night bringing his A-game really encouraged me to be better at my job. It lit a fire underneath my ass. And I knew that if I was going on stage for the night and I wasn't feeling my best, but someone in that audience was considering hiring me or considering hiring Harry, I really, I really couldn't not be 100%. I've been so thankful to his friendship, his mentorship, his ideas, um, the way he looks at this sector of the philanthropy industrial complex. And I got a chance to chat with him earlier today and about how he's doing. And it's sort of a circular, all over the place conversation, but it's a lot of fun. And I think that his charm will be loud and clear through the conversation. So, music is always by my friend Matthias DeWild, and thank you for listening. See you guys? In the business, Harry Santalolo. What's going on, my friend? I love how you say my name. I'm well. How are you? What's going on? I am firing on all cylinders. You are, aren't you? I really am. 100%. I'm pumped to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear all about it. That's, you... a, that's, that's an exciting <laughs> prospect. CK firing out of all cylinders. That is, 
Wait, are we, by the way, are we on a, are we live? Is, is this like a podcast situation? Is this being recorded? Yes, it is. I just got nervous. You of all people. <laughs> oh, man. I just made myself a cup of tea and burnt the roof of my mouth. So it's a really strong start to today's podcast. I'll Harry, be doing it. Harry, uh, I know people look at you and think you make your money with your beautiful face but you have to protect your mouth my friend it's the, it's the words that come out of that face make all the difference uh, stop it hey wait a second i've been listening to your podcast which has been great by the way um talk me through the piano is that that's you playing right uh that is me playing uh the oh no it's not um i played the piano on like the first eight episodes when it was more bootleg than it is now because it's still pretty bootleg and then a friend mm -hmm. of mine in belgium uh shot, shot me a message and was like hey would you like uh sort of like a jazzy piano track for an intro outro and i said yeah and so the the way that i fade that in with garage band it's not me playing i wish it was ah. but I, I am not at that level right 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 i was kind of there was a part of me that was excited about you sort of calling and being like, so we're going to go live now. And then you just start sort of playing to me. Um, but those sort of dulcet tones. It, I mean, it's, I'm so jealous of people who can play the piano. Like just it's insanely jealous of people who can just sort of very nonchalant very just, it's so smooth. It's, it just, it's amazing. It's so cool. I can fake um, it to a certain extent the piano playing, but my ceiling is very, 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 very low. And right. beyond a few certain memorized notes, um, I'm a total mess. So um, don't let your envy of my uh, skill set be too uh, intense. Right, right. Okay, fair enough. Well, um, I mean, you know the story of my piano, right? I. Um... You've been to mine. You've seen my yeah. piano. <clears throat> yeah, you work yeah. on it. Well, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. I've um, yeah. I've I, I've <laughs> been I've been trying to learn a little bit more um, since I bought it. I think it was like three and a half years ago. But whenever La La Land came out, like whenever La La Land came out, that was exactly when I bought my piano, um, because. I went, I went and watched La La Land and I had this moment midway through it when Ryan Gosling is like kind of sat there very cool with like a, a, a glass of scotch or something and he's playing the piano and it's just like super romantic and he's just an absolute dreamboat. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, I had this moment where I was like, oh, I get it. Like that's, that's what I, that's what I should be. I, that's what I need to be doing. I'm meant to be a failed jazz musician um, that, that plays the piano. So I like I left the, the the movie theater and more or less did a beeline straight to the nearest piano store and was like, "Hey, I've just <laughs> just watched La La Land and uh, I'm pretty confident I'm meant to be a failed jazz musician. Um, so can you just point me in the right?" I mean, he, the guy saw me coming. He took me straight to like the Yamaha section. Was like. Like there's no point in starting off with a with a you know some run of the mill keyboard. You want to go with weighted keys. Yep. You know, I, Makes you a know, big difference. <laughs> I was like, all right. I was such a I was like a salesman's dream. I was like, okay. Um, and then yeah, I mean, he sold me everything. Absolutely, I left that 
stall being like, um, what just happened? <laughs> um, and then I got home, fired it up, and I, I realized that no matter what, you know, what price tag you throw at a piano and, and the headphones and the, you know, the seats, you know, and all the pedals, and it doesn't mean you can play the piano. And it's so now it's just a been bit beyond that. Collecting. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm, I'm terrible. Um, and then I, uh, so yeah, it's sort of just been collecting dust for the last three, three and a half years. But I, I did fire it up. I did fire it up recently. Um, do you sing at all? Because you, you have an acting background. I mean, you were in acting drama school when you were in high school, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, I did a lot of drama when I was younger. That's um, what I, I, I loved doing. That's, I think that's how I sort of accidentally ended up back on stage. Um, you know, it was I, I, I love I love theater. I love watching it. I love being in it. Um, and I not only are you on stage, but you're on stage with A-listers and they're in your world. I mean, that's what's so extraordinary about our line of work is that when, you know, the most famous actors and actresses uh, around the globe join us, uh, they are oftentimes subservient to us. Uh, subservient is not the quite right word, but um, they are following our leads. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of times. Um, when I've been backstage or I'm kind of sat, you know, in at the sort of like the big, the big gala productions when they sort of line you up in order of who's going on next. And you're like, to your, to your right is, you know, some A-lister to your left is some like huge singer. I'm like, I'm completely out of my death here. What on earth? How did this happen? Um, but I don't know. I guess it all just sort of, it just it just happens, and I, I I never sort of get to I've never really been too um, caught up with the whole world of you know celebrity or any of that sort of stuff. I've Either never really I. so I don't it doesn't it doesn't there have been times I've like looked out at an audience and kind of completely forgotten what like <laughs> what am I doing here <laughs> why why are these this is ridiculous. You know, there are times when I'm like looking out and I, I'm kind of, it, you've seen so many of them on TV or you've listened to their albums or, and for some reason for the next 20, 30 minutes, you know, they're, they're in your audience. Um, they're watching it's quite you. a humbling experience. Yeah, it's good. It's fun. I, 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 I love it. I, 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 CK, I miss it so much. Like, that is, <laughs> I do too. Uh, like it's one of the silver linings to this whole crazy process. I think. Um, I think one of the, one of the things for me, I've been having a lot of conversations with friends and families, and I think, I think to a certain degree, everyone is going through some level of existential crisis. Like, kind of like, well, what's my role? What am I doing here? If if everything can just like overnight. It's, you know, the, the lights are off, everything's turned on its head. I think a lot of people are kind of grappling with this idea of like, you know, when do we go back to work? And if we do go back to work, do I want to go back to that work? Like, is that what I want to do? And I've actually had a few friends of mine sort of like, I'm kind of not, you know, but, uh, this whole thing's made me stop and, and, and look at what I do. And uh, I don't know if I love it enough to, to feel anxious about whether or not I maintain that job. And I think, 
the one big thing for me, the big silver lining, and I'm, you know, I'm desperately upset for my clients who, who aren't in a position yeah. to raise money this year. But the one big silver lining for me is I genuinely cannot wait to get back on stage and to get back doing what I love doing. And that is a massive, massive indication to me that I'm doing the right thing and that I'm doing something I'm, I'm enjoying, um, something I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying developing and, and, and progressing um, and something hopefully uh, that my clients see as, as a service and, and, and the valued service at that, like, I, I, we, we, you know, we, we're so, so lucky. We, we, get, we get the performance side of things and the, the excitement of, you know, it's not scripted, of not knowing what's coming. Like, that is like a drug. And then you couple that with the, with the, um, the idea that, you know, we're raising money for amazing organizations. It's absolute food for the soul. So I'm just, the, the one big silver lining for me is that I'm, I'm very confident I'm doing what I should be doing and I love what I do. And I'm just, I'm just really, really hopeful that, um, you know, we can get back to work, you know, when it's, when it's safe to do so. But if we can't get back to work, what are you thinking through as a half measure or a virtual measure or, or something that is a facsimile, but safe uh, in the meantime? Do you mean from like a fundraising perspective or? Yeah, or just for, for your own a fundraising or engaging with your clients or for you just, for you finding that high of performing and producing and having a sense of purpose? Hmm. I mean, that's a good question. I, I, I then, I mean, I feel like everyone has been, at, you know, very, very quickly, everyone has just been bombarded online or in your inbox or on all the feeds of like, this is how to pivot and this is the best solution to virtual guy. I'm like, what do you know? How do you know? That is exactly is how right? I feel. I, it's absurd. Uh, it's absurd. I'm like, sorry, when was the last time you were in a pandemic? <laughs> like, why are you giving us advice on how to pivot? Um, you know, uh, you, your fundraising got like, this hasn't happened before. We're not in a position to be, you know, barking out orders or advice, whatever. I, I, the, the only thing I can do of service to my clients is listen to as much as I possibly can, which I have done. I've been on too many webinars and calls and brainstorming and just tried to just take it all in and and there's a lot of it that i just i think is fluff and so needless content that people feel the need to just i don't know be proactive and like i don't i don't think that serves anyone i think i think actually the the major difference right now um realistically we know what the gala format looks like right certainly successful ones and They've not really changed over the years. And the reason why they haven't changed over the years is because they work. You know, there's a formula to it. Um, and, you know, they are amazing fun. Um, most of the time, they can be incredibly fun and exciting and dynamic and, and all the rest of it. But there is a, a more or less a formula that you need to stick within in order to, to, to have a successful um, campaign financially, that is. Uh, one thing I'm absolutely adamant about with these kind of pivoting to online and virtual and all the rest of it is that 
that cookie cutter format does not work. Well, the data will reveal itself in the coming months, but you can't just apply this sort of sweeping process to, 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 to people's campaigns because one thing that's very obvious is that every campaign is different and every database is different and every... You know, some organizations have incredibly active board members and, and committees and honorees that, you know, between them can get, you know, 10, 15 sets of eyes to a virtual gala. And if you get 50 people to do that, all of a sudden you've got 500 people live with you. Um, that's amazing. Not everyone has that benefit. Nope. Um, some of my organizations that I'm working with, with online campaigns, you know, they've got a massive active database of um of um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say names for or whatever, but um, why not? Um, the, the Girl Scouts, for example, I'm working with this year have um, you know you got 31,000 Girl Scouts. Like so, when I'm chatting with them, I'm thinking to myself, like, that's your biggest asset right there. Like you've got 31,000 Girl Scouts, and what do Girl Scouts do? They're proactive. Like they are really good at you know getting messages out there and engaging the community and so on. So challenge each of them to bring 10 people to a virtual gala that lasts no longer than 15 minutes. And in theory, that's 300,000 people, which is a lot more than the 400 people you were going to have at your initial gala. Like maybe that, maybe this could be a blessing in disguise. Who knows? But one thing I'm pretty sure is that there isn't some sweeping formula that, that, um, that's going to work for everyone. And so I think it's a time for everyone to really like slow down and and you know not rush to kind of make any rash decisions or or um and just try, try and drown out the noise a little bit and and kind of really work out like go back to base what is it that we as an organization are good at what are our biggest strengths what are the areas that we're not strong in and um and sort of build a campaign out from that one thing that's absolutely without question a no-brainer for me, is that your run of show has to be condensed from like two two hours typical run of show to no longer than twelve minutes, which sounds I think a bit you're right. Cr- cr- Honestly, I don't think. I mean, uh, literally twelve minutes. People are, 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 are at home, completely bombarded with content right now. You are not going to hold the audience's attention for longer than twelve minutes. Um, and so if you're if you're putting on some lengthy run of show and then you have a pitch at the end of it and people have to to give at the end of it, I mean you've lost no point. Um, the plot. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, CK. What do I know? I, mean, I think your intuition you know. in most cases is correct, but again it's a case by case basis, right? Because if you have a program, you know, we've both had the incredible pleasure of working for the Clara Lionel Foundation. And if you trot out everybody that Rihanna and her, her, and her team have access to, like people are going to pay attention. But that's definitely right. an edge case. I mean, not everybody has the access that Rihanna has. And so. Right. And, I, I don't forget. <laughs> I think there's only about four people in the world that have that access. But yeah. But, you know, that's one of those counterexamples where you're like, okay, like you guys can put on a 90 minute program virtually if it's, I mean, you know, just combine the people that we've worked with over there. It's like, like, yeah, if Kendrick Lamar is going to do a set, like uh, people are going to tune in and then you're going to be able to expand it from, you know, the six or 700 people that can fill Tripriani Wall Street. And you're going to be able to open that up, you know, through some sort of pay-per-view or tier system where you know you know 
is 100,000 people going to tune in to a joint concert with Kendrick Lamar, you know, even if he's just home? Like, maybe so. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so there's opportunities at that high end. But then, you know, the smaller organizations, it's a community. Like, if they can't get access to that celebrity, what do they do? And... Mm -hmm. And like 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 you, I think the main thing that I'm opening all my conversations with clients is be skeptical of anybody you talk to who says they have a solution. Like I like your words echo exactly what I'm saying to everybody. And you know, so many of these consultants and you know people who are very adjacent to us as for-profit in the nonprofit sector are trotting mm-hmm. out examples and saying, "Hey, look at this great school fundraiser in Corpus Christi that raised more than they had expected and doubled their proceeds mm-hmm. from last year." You know, and I'm just like, "Well, of course, a school fundraiser is going to be okay because it's parents raising money for their own kids." But you know, right. a big chunk of my clients their room is full with corporate tables and you're just not going to have the same sort of engagement from that sort of audience and a do-it-yourself vibe that diy sort of like aesthetic which is kind of bootleg like that's charming for a school it's not going to fly for these higher sophistication slickly produced events that you know whether we do it Mm. for like an amfar um or you know some of those events that happen out in California and LA, like like people expect a level of production that just the technology is not ready for it yet. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm excited. I've got like five or six virtual events coming up in May, which like, I I'm just being honest with clients and just saying, look, I'll do everything I can, and I will, but. I'm in no position to tell you how to go about this. I, I don't. I don't. I, I don't know enough about. Yeah, you know, I'd be lying if I was just to put on videos on, you know, social media about like this is what you should be doing. Like, well, what do I know? I don't know anything. I'll just do my best, and you know, I'll try and be as engaging as I can. And any technology that's thrown my way, I can get my head around and 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 learn as much as I can before we go live, so that I can interact with people who are who are giving and so on. And um, like I've said to every client, like, let's just give everything we can, think logically through the campaign and, and, and we'll work it out. But um, I guess, I mean, to go back to your question, which is like, what, it, you know, what am I looking to do in the interim until things get back to normal, whatever that, that is or whatever that looks like? I'm excited. I'm really kind of, I don't know, like life seems to throughout my my time is sort of every every so often just when I think like I've you know I'm in the groove and I've worked out what's going on and all the rest of it that there's like this huge like curveball that's thrown my way and um and then it's usually those are the moments I look back on I'm like oh I'm I'm actually really glad that happened because if, if that hadn't happened I would be, look, let, let's talk about it, you know, this conversation. You've, you've, you've done, what, 70, 75 podcasts? Yeah. You were, uh, January, you know, March 10th, you probably hadn't even worked out how to run a podcast, right? It wasn't, You're probably getting it a lot out of it. I mean, right. it, it, and I'll get to what I'm getting out of this, like, technically speaking, but yeah, yeah I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, yes, the, the answer to, to, to your proposition is yes, I'm getting a lot out of this. Right. And so... I mean, you know, I'm, yes, 
initially when all of these campaigns and events were cancelling and all the rest of it, you know, it is very hard not to feel like, you know, oh, really? Like I've just, <laughs> it was tough. Like it was really, really tough to, to you know, the, 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 the speed at which it, it snowballed and you and I were in comms all the way through. It's like, oh, I lost an event today. Uh, the next day I was like, uh, four or five cancelled today. And then two weeks later, it was like, I lost 60 events. <laughs> <It's done. laughs> um, yeah. But like, you know what? Like that's that's okay. I'm 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 I'm. It's okay to recognize that it's that. You know, obviously my my business will take a massive hit for that for for this period of time. Um, and it's 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 all right to recognize that and to be you know to to to, to navigate through that. Um, you know, I'm not. But but at the same time this has given me a really good chance to sort of sit back, draw breath and try and, you know, work out what I really enjoy. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I'm, I'm, I know I am like, I'm, I love what I do. It's put me in a, in a, in a comfortable position so that I can actually, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about where my next meal is coming from or, or paying my bills. And a lot of people are right now. And so it's given me a lot of time to be reflective and, and gain some perspective. And I honestly, after the initial kind of pain of it all, uh, with, with it all sort of coming crashing down, um, after that happened over time, that just, that, I don't know when it was, but it, it turned into gratitude. Because you and I were going to have this conversation maybe, I think, 10 days ago. That's right. Or two weeks ago. And I was like, you know, I don't think it's a good time. Um, you had had a bad and, morning. You were just back yeah, from uh, Pennsylvania. I, I just back-to-back-to-back to back to back losses, just painful emails coming in, just cancel. You know, and, and I'm not saying what was me, you know, and, but the, the reality is it's, you know, it was, it was a tough time to get to sort of, but now it's all, it's it's all sort of playing out and and you know i've just accepted where we are as an industry and our industry is probably right up there as one of the most affected um for sure um you know i'm now in a place of gratitude of like i'm i'm just really grateful to, to be in a position to sort of to, to weather this storm and be able to be of service to, to, to clients and to friends and to connect with family more than I typically would with you know, reach out to old friends. I haven't spoken to for a long time. Um, you know, I get to, you know, I've got, I've got a puppy who's keeping me pretty occupied. Um, I'm still trying to learn the piano. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad. Um, I'm I'm listening to a lot of audible books, um, and just kind of taking time to breathe. And and one thing I've done, you know, for sure is I'm not trying to get ahead of everything. And and you know, outreach to all clients. And you know, this is what yeah, I'm, I'm letting them you know connect. And and if they want my help, then I am I'm all in. Um, but. Um, I think it's it's just a it's it's a really it's also an interesting time to be British in America. Huh, explain I, that. Know, I, well, I mean, I don't know. Bizarrely enough, for the five years I've been here, I think this is the most homesick I've been. Interesting. Um, I really, I don't know. I, I think um, it's just been a time where. You know, I've been doing sort of weekly quizzes with friends back home in London, which is nice. And 
I've been doing Zoom calls with, I'm the youngest of four, and I've got, you know, um, a ton of nieces and nephews. And um, you know, every time I go back to London, like, there's, a, there's a new one. Uh, um, and so it's like, it's been fun, you know, it's been nice. And, and also, I think these are the moments where Britain is actually at its best. Like, I re- historically, we, we just are, we're at our best. When Stoicism our to, to the wall. is a yeah, we, national trait of yours. I think so, and and there's a massive amount of pride in in our NHS, which is our national health service. Um, people are re- you know people are doing that globally, but and I'm certainly sensing that a bit over here. But it's not polit- you know COVID hasn't been politicized in the same way that it is over here. Absolutely everything over here is so angry and loud and and politicized. Everyone's pointing fingers and you know using these op- using this really dark period as a way to kind of I don't know get gain some sort of political points over their rivals or whatever and maybe I'm, I'm I don't know maybe I'm reading the wrong news or, or watching the wrong stuff but I'm not getting that vibe from from back home there's a real kind of like we're in it together I don't I don't see this as some huge political um war you know I just it's going to keep calm and carry on. It really is true. Like, I, I really do see that. Do you think um, that Boris Johnson ending up in the ICU um, for those three days just sobered the rhetoric to a point that, like, it just made people a lot more serious rather than being showboaty or performative or trying to get political points? I think, it, yeah. I don't know. I think it kind of really it made everyone stop and think like, wait, this, this virus doesn't really, it, it's not, it doesn't discriminate, you know, you can be the prime minister and still get it. You know, I think that that's what it, you know, you don't really expect it. When I read it, I was like, wait, what? No, he's the prime minister. You can't, who's going to run the country. Oh, it doesn't make sense. Um, and then I read it was in the ICU and I was like, that's, um, yeah, that's, that's really dark. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad he, he made it through like I, I really am. He's a very divisive character, and um, I'm really not political at all. I, I, I try and turn it off, to be honest. I don't listen to too much. I, I do read a fair amount on the BBC, um, but I don't have cable TV or any of that sort of stuff. Um, but the you stuff I'm I. reading is is far less kind of. There's less political jabs going on. I think. I think um, there's. Over in Europe, it feels a little bit more like people are just sort of unified as a country. Um, whereas, I, I, I don't know, what I'm, I'm rambling. I'm a madman. But, <laughs> but, you know, that's I, what podcasts are, right? Yeah, and I think that you and I sometimes benefit by trying to stay as apolitical as possible because in our lines of work, we have to be nonpartisan. We have to be able Correct. to stand in front of... Republicans and Democrats and independents alike and ask them for money in order to help our clients face the acute challenges that they do on a daily basis. And so if we ever stood on stage with some sort of political agenda, then we would be doing a huge disservice to those people that you know, pay us for our livelihood. And it's it, so it's in the not-for-profit sector's benefit that we stay out of that fray. Yeah, no, I learned very 
very early on not to get political on stage. Um, that was, yeah, that was, that, that, I can, I can literally feel, I can still feel the audience turn on me the do, day that I went political. Do you remember, um, uh, do you remember what line you used? I do. Yeah, I do. It was quite early on after, um, President Trump had been elected and, um, I made a reference to, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take charge for the next 12 minutes and. I appreciate a lot, a lot of Americans, you know, aren't used to having a Brit in charge, but I imagine a lot of you uh, would probably welcome the Queen back in charge right about now. Um, <laughs> and uh, some of the audience loved it. Uh, uh, and, uh, and then I think, like, the front row was just really heavy-hitting Republicans who were like, get this guy off the stage. And I was like, that's fair enough. That's totally fair enough. Um, so, no, you're right. I, I, it's not our job to be political. And it's, it's not, a, you know, our job is to learn, you know, uh, how uh, how the money that we're raising, you know, on the evening is going to benefit the organization that the audience is there to see, to remain on 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 brand and, and in line with their fundraising narrative. And in my opinion, to, to inject some fun and energy during the process, like that's, that's it. Um, so getting political is an incredibly fast way of alienating more or less half the audience, guaranteed, certainly over here. What I have you been doing with your time? <laughs> are you baking? Are you, are you, what's going on? Are you getting into your yoga and stuff? I, I am. I have a... What's a day in the life of CK's Corona? Uh, <laughs> if were, like, give, me, give me your day today. What's your update? So, you know, the... The girlfriend wakes up um, between 8 and 8.30, uh, which is about an hour and a half later than in her normal pre-COVID times. She'd wake up, and she wakes me up along with her. Um, we've actually been leaving the apartment to go get coffee. Uh, there is a beloved coffee mm-hmm. shop on our block, and so we don't even have to cross the street to get to it. Uh, and they only allow one customer uh, unit in at a time. So we go down there, get some coffee, bring it back to the apartment. Um, I've been making fresh squeezed juice almost every morning. Uh, I have a little juicer, do a little yeah, lovely. Th- three citrus, got the grapefruit, uh, two different kinds of oranges, um, make yogurt, granola, honey, banana, uh, a little bit of food. And then I take a second uh, shot of espresso. I make it on like a stovetop Bialetti. And you're going to appreciate this. I've just been housing ice cream. I go through a pint (laughs) of ice cream about every 48 hours right now. uh, Yeah. Because because, uh, I take these, I call them espresso, not naps, but espresso lie downs where... um, Uh, big scoop of ice cream, espresso on top, shoot it, and then lie down uh, for 20 minutes with my eyes closed and meditate. Um, and and w- once that 20-minute timer goes off, I feel like I'm shot out of a cannon. It's incredible. Um, and then, you know, I'm either answering emails, taking calls, um, try to do a pre-lunch core power yoga or run or um my girlfriend has this app on her phone that they're called kayla workouts or like a high intensity training for 30 minutes mm-hmm. um so that takes about an hour then lunch is oftentimes leftovers put into a pan with eggs and kind of like just all mixed up and fried up and that's usually pretty tasty uh another ice cream 
uh, espresso lie down 20 minutes meditation. It's it's during these 20 minute like lie downs that I have some of my best ideas. Like my brain just starts to it calms and then things just bubble to the top and I really really enjoy it. Like it it's good for my back, it's good for my soul, it's good for my thinking and mm -hmm. and then intermixed into there like yesterday uh i did three of the interviews like that we're on like right now uh and that comprised just under four hours um wow yeah it's it, it's time intensive and then there's another per episode it's another about half an hour of uh editing and then posting um and so what i found and i've said this many many times is that the focus required to do these interviews and produce them is akin to the focus that i have when i'm on stage like nothing else is mm -hmm. going on like when we're on stage we're not checking email we're not looking at instagram we're not texting right. like we are locked in and i'm talking to you right now from inside a closet my phone's not in here <laughs> with me like my email is not up all i'm doing is listening to what you're saying and trying to respond in kind and that level of focus drawn out over a period of a couple hours in the day has bled into all other parts of my life and so one of the reasons why i frame my you know my world right now as being narrow but being highly charged and focused is because I had some issues with like playing chess on my phone uh, for a couple of years where I just, that would be my default and I could just sucked into it for hours. I really liked scrolling through Instagram, whether it's people playing tennis or ski porn. Like I just love watching, mm. you know, people on big mountain skiing powder. I could watch that for hours. And ski I, porn. Ski porn. That. What's that? Ski porn is just professional Instagram skiers, um, either it's shot from like a POV uh, GoPro or a right. drone, and it's just really beautiful. So it's not, uh, it's not porn. No, 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 no. It's I'm like, a, <laughs> it's, I, yeah, I don't think that would really float my boat too much. Uh, it's professional skiers taking gnarly lines down big mountains, and it's beautiful. But I'm not doing, I'm not watching those videos to any sort of uh, degree that I used to because my days are so full. I have so much to do. I have so many clients to reach out to. Like I CC'd you and Charles and Lucas on an email that I've been working on for a couple of days. Uh, got sent out this morning. Yeah, I saw that. You know, in, that. In, in just this, I, I sent that to 498 uh, email addresses that had been gathered from 10 years of doing this to you know, just kind of everybody, mm -hmm. anybody I've ever connected with saying, hey, you know, we're all in this together. Nobody's got solutions, but it will be through conversation. And, you know, like, yeah. and this is what's been so great about our friendship is that we are you know, we're competitive to a degree that, you know, we all like working hard, but we're way more collegial than we are, um, than we are competitive. Cause we just understand oh, sure. what a big, um, what a big pie is out there. And as long as we keep growing the pie amongst us, then we're all going to mm -hmm. be eating well. And, yeah. you know, and so it's like one of those things where I'm trying to figure out what everybody is working on. Like once you crank out those virtual galas in May, that's going to be fascinating data points. You know, because we're going to talk and be like, hey, what worked, what didn't work? Um, right, right. I got pitched by a client uh, to do an event in June that, that I'm really excited about where I'm going to be interviewing one of their doctors. 
And throughout that interview, uh, we're going to have questions that are somewhat leading that relate to fundraising. So I'm going to ask the questions, oh, that service costs 10000 so we can help f five women uh, receive life-saving uh, treatment if we raise $50,000. Well, hopefully mm -hmm. we can hit that number by the end of today's day of giving. And, and mm -hmm. so instead of like a standard auction, I think auctions are kind of gone uh, largely not going to be appropriate for uh, a while. I think it's going to be very kind of uh, pledge moment. Um, you know, like mm. I think it's to be. I like I've always been somebody who doesn't like saying, "Okay, ten thousand uh, serves this many people, and five thousand buys this many supplies, and twenty five hundred. That's never worked very well for me. I think mm. it's going to be a lot more what you've been so successful with was Givergy and figuring out mm -hmm. ways, whether in real time or not, but like a telethon model where, hey, we're trying to re reach that next level of $100,000 raised. Uh, let's mm -hmm. kick it now over to that Rihanna performance. And then, you know, mm -hmm. she performs and you come back on, you know, in terms of your live feed and say, during that performance, we raise an additional 35000 We only have 65000 mm -hmm. to go. And it's going to be yeah, I've, I've got a couple of clients who are um, they're fortunate enough to have a couple like high profile supporters, and one of them is actually an honoree that was meant to be honored at the event in April. And um, so, so they had the benefit of having that honoree being very happy to, to do a live performance. So I've kind of said, Look, let's hold the audience captive, like, we don't start that performance until we've, we've raised X amount, which I think might work well. But, one thing I've I've definitely realized about this whole sort of process is it's a pandemic process. I don't even know. Um, but the like I have absolutely no control. Do, do you know what I mean? Like that, that, you know, anyone who thinks they've got it like made or they understand like uh, they, they've worked out this whole life thing, it's like uh, no, like you 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 are so far off. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of nice. It's, I'm not particularly, I'm not religious or, or, um, I'd say I'm probably like spiritual or whatever that means. You know, I meditate a fair amount and, um, I definitely, you know, I, I, I don't know why, but for some reason I'm excited about what, what this pivot is. Like, I, I don't know. know what it's going to be, know. but. I feel like I'm just like, I'm happy to be just like placed on the river and just like put it in the sweatshirt. Like, I don't know, you know, I, I'm, I'm basically putting it out there to friends who are in the sort of entertainment industry or, or creative world where it's like, hey, I've got a fair amount of time on my hands at the moment. So if you need someone to do voiceover work or, yeah. or, or, to, or to do some acting or like, you know, if you need someone to read a part or like, Let's do something fun. I, I'm so, so smart. into to, to sort of just putting, and yeah, I don't need to get paid. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I just want to do it. You know, but like you, you're doing this as like a passion project rather than the whole podcasting. Like, and look, it's firing you up. You, you, you sound so motivated and, and you're enjoying it. And you're connecting with people and hopefully people are listening in and feeling a bit more connected and, and who knows, but something benefit. I don't know. I don't know if you quantify it, but, something beneficial is going on with this process born out of the back of this pandemic. And I've got, I've already had a couple of ideas that I'm, I'm really excited about that I would never have the chance or time, not even close to having the time um, 
to to sort of like give you know genuine thought and 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 you know, to, to bring to life and I'm, I'm excited about doing that Gibbage is obviously still hugely in demand at the moment there's a lot of these events are sort of pivoting from from uh in in person gardens to online and those platforms are doing great which i love seeing and um but for me i i i don't know what it is but i'm pretty excited about um about whatever that next chapter looks like and, and who knows how long i know one of your podcasts you said that you think it's not going to get back to normal until 2022 um and that made me i, I think I, I think i threw up a little bit when i <laughs> heard that um <laughs> because i don't want that at all but um we'll see but at the same time the one yeah we have absolutely no control over that so no. it's it's okay to just sort of um, not trying to will it along or, you know, sp- speed up something that you have absolutely no control over. Um, so I'm hoping that, like, maybe something exciting will come from it, something, an opportunity um, might open up or, you know, just kind of putting yourself out there and being willing to, to work with people or do something creative. Or um, And you mentioned, like, that, that kind of fraternity of, like, you know, I love having that. Uh, you know, we are a group of, of friends who are in the same business. But uh, there are times when I, I love the fact that we're that we're connected and and um, yeah, I, I, Lucas, our buddy, he's a he's a you know, he's a published poet. Um, That's incredible. I, I you know what a time for him to be sitting down and and you know, getting some more poetry under his. But I actually called him the other day. I was like, just. <laughs> sounds so bizarre but i was like can you read me some of your poems yes <laughs> i, just, I, I love like, that lying down. i was like it's two o'clock on a tuesday I, I i never expected to be sat down um lying on a sofa listening to luke Hunt, um deliver his poem and it was lovely what a beautiful like, cheers, moment cheers buddy i'll catch you soon it was like anytime um it's funny funny time but like what a fun service that he can provide also. I mean, he has the time to read his poems and maybe this is when he gets together and does his audiobook. Um, or, I mean, like you talk about doing those voiceovers and you have just some really interesting connections through, uh, you know, the cinema in Hollywood world and you know, through our auctioneering and through our clients, we have incredible connections and it's, like we have so much space to throw shit against the wall. And mm. and so that 2022 timeline, at first I was like, oh fuck, I might not get back to work again in a, on a regular basis anytime soon. But it was just like, hey, that means I have more time to work on these really weird little side projects that I kind of thought to myself I'd never get to. Right. And you know, like there's just some things that I have been dedicating real time to over the last couple of weeks that I, I am like if i can finish them like i will forever mm-hmm. be grateful to this time like you know mm-hmm. things that have just been in the back of my mind for decades like eh, and like if not now when this is the mm-hmm. time to do it and I, I i wake up every morning ready to get to work that's awesome you know awesome. it's just it's it's gonna get worse before it gets better, and I'm I'm a well I'm well aware of that. But I mean, do you think? Yes, not from a medical standpoint, but from an economic standpoint. 
Mm. I think the the fallout uh, from you know just governments around the world going into such debt, um, and then it's just it's going to be such a deep dark hole. Um, right. I, I think about how lucky I am that my savings, um, you know, should keep me in pretty good stead through the beginning of next year. But there are so many Americans who live paycheck to paycheck, and mm-hmm. as 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 they go on unemployment, and then those unemployment benefits um, start to not be in good positions. Um, you know, I think it was Steve Mnuchin, uh, you know, our Treasury Secretary, started urging um, states to consider filing for bankruptcy. And I. What does that mean? I mean, what happens when a state goes bankrupt? What does that mean? I think that it means. It, what does that mean? It, it means that if they owe money to certain lenders, then they default on those and then the lenders don't get money and then there isn't as much liquidity perhaps in the system and so then people can't get loans to start the businesses that they want to um you know i it's far above my pay grade to understand exactly uh what the ripple out effects are um but smart people um who i've been listening to whether it's like on kara swisher's podcast or fox media um, or when i'm reading at the new yorker um tend to have you know views that this is we're not going to even be close to back to normal for like 36 months is sort of the timeline that that i am uh that i am seeing right now um and again this is me just listening to other other people but just because it's not going to be (laughs) wait a second (laughs) i didn't sign up for this (laughs) i i was calling you for some positive vibes I'm getting a lot of po- you know, your text. I've never been more fired up. I'm like, like, you can't stop me right now. I'm like, this is the guy I want to be speaking to right now. I let's let's go back to that. I, I you you're putting me in a dark. I, I don't want thirty six months. But let's let's, put, let's flip that around. How but, how do but, we? But think about during that thirty six months when one of your friends writes a script that you're perfect for and you're part of a creative endeavor that gets out there and viewed by 50 million people worldwide. And, there we go. And, and, and then there's like these fan sites pop up on Instagram and TikTok there and Facebook. And you just become known as, you're like that auctioneer who is in that really critically well-received piece and people are just become fascinated by you and mm-hmm. you, you know like vanity affair is calling and wants to know your backstory and you know, I don't, yeah and there's like you a, think you'd <laughs> want to be famous would you want to be famous you think oh i'm such a narcissist i i would love to really yeah interesting i like the idea of being paid to be me that is that I mean, I love you to peace. That does sound incredibly narcissistic. But I know exactly what you mean. Right? They should. I mean, there's a show, there's there's a show on you for sure. There's something else. There. Maybe, but it depends on COVID experience. <laughs> but you know, it's it's one of those things that when we're on stage, what I try to always do is stay in my lane. And you know, all the prep work that I'm doing to learn about an organization is going to be filtered through my experience. And I like mm-hmm. I'm I'm a terrible line reader. Like you can't get me to memorize a script for anything. I just yeah, botch it every single time. And 
So what I try to do is subsume myself into my clients and, and make my clients part of myself because then I can make it about myself and my my relationship to it. And when and then it becomes yeah. sincere, then it becomes authentic. Uh, and so but, I. But CK, the moment you become a famous megaphile or whatever, like you don't once that if that happens, you don't have the power to turn it off. Like all of a sudden, you're now public property. So. I mean, I don't know if you'd want to be famous. Like, during a pandemic, look, look, you and your girlfriend going for coffee. You know, you get snapped up. People saying, oh, CK's above it all. You know, he, he, he's being socially irresponsible. Maybe you get caught, you know, with your mask down as you're having a sip. And they take a picture of it. And all of a sudden, you're, you're a villain. When actually you've been wearing a mask all along. But, you know, it's just like, I don't know. It's a t- I, it would be... I don't know. If, I, 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 I don't know about that. There, I'm not sure. There's this great Warhol quote um, that I've always held up as hopefully uh, a guidepost to how I would react in any situation like that. Uh, and he just stated simply, don't read what they write about you. Just measure it in inches. And, you know, the idea being that as long as they're paying attention, then that's what matters. Uh, and you know, maybe that's only from an artistic standpoint, but I, I just feel like with that attention, negative or, or positive, you can leverage it for good. Mm. I'd hate it. I think I'd hate it. And I'd be, I'd read a comment. You, you could have a thousand positive comments. And I, I'd, I, if I read one that there was mean or I'd, I'd just, I'd hate it. I don't read the positive comments, both literally and metaphorically. I mean, sorry, I don't read the negative comments literally or metaphorically. Like, like I just brush them off. And at a certain mm-hmm. level, I can Im- imagine, um, you know, be able to stick in a little bit of a bubble and, and create around myself and just like, I, I wouldn't focus on the negative. And, or I wouldn't see it as negative. I'd be like, oh, that's an interesting opportunity to get better. Because I think in the right context, critical feedback uh, is really exciting. Because I know that sometimes, you know, we'll have debrief with clients and it will just be so overwhelmingly positive. I'm like, I didn't learn anything from this. And then like that one client will be like, hey, you know what, we, we loved what you did, um, but there's this one thing that we wish had been better. And I have a moment where I'm like, like that didn't feel so good. And then it, like I start to breathe. I'm like, wait a second. I hadn't noticed that. That's really good. I'm going to now mm. integrate that into my work. I just always feel better about that because I think it makes me mm. superior at my job is to take that mm. negative feedback and integrate it. And maybe being, you know, like I'm probably inaccurately transposing what it means to be fa- famous from just client feedback. But, <laughs> but at, you know, at the same point, that level of interest in, in who you are and what you're doing and then being able to turn that into business. I mean, think about how much better you could be for your clients if they were able mm-hmm. to sell tickets because your name was on uh, the docket. Mm. No, I think that that's actually, funny enough, I, everything is, yeah, I, I think there's a massive difference between being like, the idea of random people commenting on your life as a famous person and, and feedback from clients. Like I always, always, what, you know, I always have post event tools that are, I find them really productive and 
I'm actually pretty brutal. Um, I'm, I'm kind of quite a big critic of my own performances. So even if the client's kind of giving me praise, I'll I'll try and steer it into like, but what what could be better? You know, and I really do welcome that. Like I really, really do. I, you know, if I see a video of, of what I was doing three years ago, I cringe. Oh, I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't watch it. It's, it's, it's like, rough. You know, so it's like I, I definitely want to, but it's it's kind of different if you sort of. I don't. Where where was that going? I can't even remember what we were. We were talking about um, about getting famous because I said that you were going to be the auctioneer who's in a production that is produced during pandemic times. Ah, uh, yeah. The world's most famous auctioneer, and you're like, I don't want to be famous. Do you want to be famous? And I said, I do want to be famous. <laughs> right, right, right. That's funny. Yeah, no, but I I think um, one thing I do really want to be, what I do strive for. It was you mentioned the idea that people, you know, sell tickets on, you know, you know, we we have this this show and and you know we're celebrating this honoree, we have this performance and the auctioneer is, you know, like that CK, you know, like yes. the idea that people can can add value to their production. That's something I've always like. I really want to be in that position whereby people are kind of, I want to get to a point where people who you know, when if it's announced like now it's the auction instead of people rolling their eyes, they're like, oh wait, it's, it's like this is I'm ready, this is fun, this will be fun. You know, and that's where I want to be. Is, is and I feel like I'm, I'm there's a, I, I see a lot of familiar faces at some of these events in New York, and I love it. Like I love it because it's, it's I just I love having that connection and kind of if I know that they're, they're on side and we're, we're having a good time together, then it feels like I'm adding value to the event. I guess. How, that, how, that feels good how often have you got off stage uh like on a wednesday and someone comes up to you and says that was great i saw you last night also at the other event oh during the during <laughs> the busy seasons i mean it, yeah i've had i had one guy <laughs> not no joke i had one guy called monty who i did he, he, he went to three events in a row that... and he bought something at all three events yeah three That's... nights in a row Awesome. I I had. Yeah. I had Actually, <laughs> I got him to I got him to stand on his chair um, on the final one and got a round of applause from the audience. They're like, "What's going on?" And I was like, "This guy's an absolute rock star. He's, he, I'm draining his account this week." Um, but he's awesome. Um, I love it when that happens. I, I did an event in the fall where in Sunday um, I was way out in Connecticut, like a two and a half hour drive uh, in a small gymnasium. And on Monday I was at Tripperary Wall Street and somebody was at both events. And it just was such, they were so different in such different themes. I was like, wait, you were at both events? Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, you know, we have a house out there but we, and we, we support that cause, but you know, mm -hmm. we, we live in the city. And I just was like, that's wild. And I've also, because I've been doing this, you know, since 2010, I've had, you know, I'll be on stage doing an auction. Someone will yell, "Hey, CK, it's Mike!" And I'm like, uh, "I'm like, oh, he's like, like Mike from the Ogden Museum." And I'm like, "That I that was in 2014. Like, you expect me to remember a conversation yeah. well, we had after like, a gala?" I'm like, uh. "Now, now's not the time, Mike." I'm like, "We let's have this conversation after I've been on stage." Yeah, and no, I've had that a few times as well. Um, I had one guy talking about like different locations. I had. You, you know, I, I'm, I know you're not as into it, but I'm absolutely fine doing like New York, LA, New York, like back to back to back. You I don't mind the travel. Get yeah. crushed. Um, I don't know how you do it. 
I don't mind it. I really don't mind it. I speak fine on a plane, but uh, there was just one guy. Don't you get stressed about flights getting canceled? It, it's the it, it's <clears> the <throat> mental agony of of being of just like, oh, is my flight gonna be canceled? What's the weather like? Like that just weighs so heavily on me. Uh, a lot of life out of your control, but I mean, I had that one brutal experience where Calgary, the, um, right? When you when you went no, LA, it was, no, it was, I can't remember what it was. It was like New York, and then. An event in LA, Texas, and then San San Diego was the final stop, and that's like four flights cancelled back to back to back to back, and um, arrived in San Diego. The car literally didn't stop; it like slowed down as I ran out the airport, dived into it, into my tux in the back of the car. The script was handed to me warm from like from from the printer as I went on stage. Um, told the story to the audience and explained like how how crazy it was to, to even make it i mean the irony was like uh, compared to some of the travel that 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 one was i had a massive cushion it was like 18 hours originally but because of all these storms and so on but i don't have control in the weather anyway the, the point was <laughs> i had one guy who was in um who did an event in la um sorry um san francisco for a college track um, at the Pixar studio, which was ah, just awesome. Um, and less than 24 hours later, he was in the audience at the Jed Foundation in New York. Um, same guy, yeah, and he just sort of pulled me over and was like, I was there yesterday. Um, I was like, man, you are a flying philanthropist. I'm a big fan of yours. Um, I get it for me because it was my job, but this guy's flying all over the place just giving money away, which is so nice. It- um, it is remarkable, and then they're so gracious too, because they can see how hard oh, you work. And I, lo- yeah. And so you know, I was thinking back to, uh, you know, your excitement to work on some creative projects, and then your also mm-hmm. desire to be somebody who is a headliner as an auctioneer at these events. So that's like the opportunity, because I think that the ceiling is fairly low in terms of raising our profile as auctioneers while auctioneering, but it's mm-hmm. having that free time in the coming months that you, when you can dedicate uh, you know, your energy, your passion, your intelligence, uh, your charisma to something that is performance or performance adjacent that will mm-hmm. then raise your profile and make you somebody who does, um, does sell tickets when when your name is on uh you know the mass email that goes out and so it like that dream of being part of the the whole campaign in a way that's driving sales and driving interest that would have i think that's really hard to do while while being an auctioneer because we're so in our Mm. lane but this is that opportunity to do it it's it's you know contacting your network and saying hey i do want to read your scripts i do want to help out Mm -hmm. what can i do what can i do Uh, you know i just want to be part of the team and having one of those things click and then have it be you know shared around and have it uh you know be raised in profile i mean that's that's what's so cool about this time is that we get to get out of our lanes try something else and you know really learn from it build from it and then bring it back to what we already uh put so much time and effort into and have been successful yeah. in but it's cross training and it's cool well the, the whole the whole burst of you know in inverted commas being an auctioneer was totally you know that was an, an accident anyway it wasn't 
you know, I, I, I still don't actually define myself as an auctioneer. Like I've never been trained as an auctioneer. I don't, I don't, I think it's a ridiculous concept to, to be, you know, it's, I, I, I enjoy and hope. Well, I, it's a performance, right? That's all it is. That's all I do. I don't, I, I, I can't, you know, I'm not entirely sure what what you put your finger on. I, I I've been in sales when I was yeah. I've always been in sales, so selling's not not a not not a problem. Like yeah, I, I enjoy the process of selling. So that's like that's kind of what you're doing in an auction. Um, and the second part, which is there's no there's no bigger aspect to your role really once you've got the sales side down um, than than entertain. You know, we're not like you know, all due respect to the Christie's and the Sully, I know your, your your background there and, you know, you've got these big auction houses and they, they send the pro bono auctioneer. It's not the same game. It's not like, that's even like, close. It's ridiculous. No, it's like, it's not even, you've got an audience, you know, and they're, they're, they produce incredible benefit auctioneers. Like, I'm not saying you can't do both, but you're, you're a great example of that and the likes of Lydia Fanet and, um, you know, Jack's Paris persons and so on. Like, you can have classically trained auctioneers who are phenomenal, Charles. Um, but the reality is, it's like, that's like, they are not even close to the same game. Like, not even close. You've got, it's like putting, you know, it, 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 it's like saying, oh, uh, you know, Federer, you're a professional sports. You know, you're, that's, that's, that's what you do. So um, here you are, here's some kit. You're in the NFL now. Well, no, I'm, that's a, yeah, broadly speaking, it's a sport, but it's absolutely not the same rules. In a regular auction selling art or, or antiques or whatever, you're selling it to a room full of people who are there to buy art or antiques. So they're listening and they're engaged and they probably know what they're going to be buying or whatever. Like, in a benefit, 95% of the audience aren't even in a position to buy what you're selling. So you got to get them on site. And so you, I spend most of my time trying to entertain the 95% of the room who aren't engaging or, or, or who aren't in a position to bid. Because if you get them on site, it's the other 5% who can spend big that will spend a lot more um, because they want to be part of the action. Like they, 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 if they, if that big, if that five percent of of deep pockets feel like they're holding up the run of show, they're not going to spend. If they feel like they're part of the action, and they crave the attention, and you're but you're running around the tables at the back of the room and focusing on all the the young professionals who have absolutely no chance spending fifty grand on a trip to the Caribbean. Like they're they're going to get you over. Like that's how you get them. You know so. I, I don't define myself as an auctioneer, I, you know, and, and I'm not saying I do it the right way or there's a right or wrong way. I just, I, I almost cringe when people say, oh, you're an auctioneer. Do you speak fast? I'm like, no, I don't speak fast. Half the time, I don't even remember what I'm saying. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, I don't, I don't charm. I don't do any of that because I'm not trained. To, I'm not, I'm not pretending to be that. I, 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 I don't see the benefit to it because I'm not, I'm not good at doing it. Um, it's not something, you know, I'm, what I am quite good at is reacting to an audience live, um, developing characters in the audience and kind of like digging for something that's fun and engaging to sort of uh, focus on and, and turning that into a narrative and, 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 and producing 
revenue from it like that and i just i don't see that as an auction um one not in the conventional sense one thought experiment because i think you're exactly right here is it if anybody was running a charity and had a chance to hire the world's best art auctioneer or the world's best stage performer or how about this even just a very good stage performer i would take the very good stage performer 10 times out of 10 over the world's best art auctioneer because it just doesn't matter if you have an technical auctioneering background it just doesn't mm. fucking matter you have it like you you might not even know what an auction is and with 10 minutes of coaching if you have a lot of experience being on stage in front of audiences being charismatic then i can turn you into a very very functional auctioneer and mm. It, mm. that that's what matters more than anything else and so how about this? Let's have another project for us over this break to figure out a different word than auctioneer. Because essentially, that's what all these charities are trying to find, are auctioneers. Mm -hmm. and so we, we need a rebranding campaign during this time and move it away from that into something mm -hmm. else. Yeah, I think, um, I think we're kind of moving in the right direction. I, I really do get the feeling that, like, I, the, the, I think the best, honestly, the best, Thing about our role is, is very measurable. Like it's very measurable. If, if you're good at your job and in, in the fundraising space, um, like it doesn't matter how much marketing you do or how much, like, I, I don't do any of that. Like, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I, I throw up Instagram stories um, or like a picture every so often, but I don't like to do mail outs or video. You know, like, it's, I, I don't do that because. If you're good, if you get results and, pe and people enjoy working with you and you take the time to understand like what your role is within their narrative and how their brand operates and, and, and how important the revenue is, and you can get that message across to the audience in a fun and engaging way. And most importantly, the results are there, which is so measurable in the dollars you're raising. Like you're going to have a good career in this and you can label it whatever you want and you can you know, you can put up, you know, LinkedIn stories or, or, you know, measurable, I don't know, like, forget it. In many, like, there is, that's what I love about what we do. If you're good and you work hard and, and, and you, you genuinely listen to feedback about areas you can improve on, then the world's your oyster. Like, it, it, it's, it's, so I, I kind of don't label it. One thing I always tell the voice of God or whoever is introducing me on stage, I always tell them, I never, ever, ever mention the word auctioneer. I never Smart. get announced on his our auctioneer. Like the second you do that, you're, you've got an uphill battle. I, I, traditionally, I, most people are rolling their thing. eyes at that point. I like I to come out cold. Say, Here's Harry. Yeah. I, I love, love like no introduction at all and just walking up and people being like, who the fuck is this? Like I, right. I, I get such a kick out of starting. <laughs> and you're from, usually like you're usually like in your dressing gown or something. Like you go uh, to the shop yes. back sort of thing. And and, <laughs> and you know my big thing is starting off with that bottle of like Don Julio 1942 tequila and just walking out there. Yeah. And I was like, who wants some tequila on their table? And just so right. low key. It's such to watch an audience slowly then quickly fall under your spell. That's the high right there. That's fun.
Oh. My friend, I've taken up uh, more than an hour I've of your been, time. I've been under your spell for <laughs> over an hour now. I think we both just realized that we've been pulling <laughs> away. But I've had a lot of fun. This has been fun. We'll, um, depending on how long this pandemic comes on, and if you, uh, maybe we can circle back in, in several weeks or, or I would or really appreciate that. And see, see what's happened. Maybe by then you're going to be some like huge influencer and you'll, you know, you'll be you'll be scurrying to and from the coffee shop under a hoodie or something. Um, and I'll have read that Vanity Fair profile on you, and a after right. after all your success, and you'll just be selling tickets to events in 2024 uh, that far ahead, right. because that's how far out you're going to be booking. <laughs> you're a star, man. Look, stay, thank you stay, so much. Stay, stay well. I really appreciate you, and um, you know, thanks for, for taking the time to, for having me on, and um, keep doing it. You know, I love it. I love it. Take care, my friend. Take care. Bye-bye.